Hello, Kristen here. Before we get into this episode, I wanted to tell you that the antidote is a thing that's happening. It's a series of monthly gatherings that will help you return to your body and your being over and over again in the face of, you know, 2024, election insanity, climate change, global wars, your own personal stuff, other stuff. It's crazy out there. And it's easy to abandon yourself and freak out. The antidote is for bringing you home to yourself so that you can be safe in your being even when the world outside of you feels objectively unsafe. And because everybody's marketing at you and there's no reason for you to believe me, you can head to jointheantidote.com to grab a free recording of the first session that happened this week so you can feel it instead of thinking about it to see if it's a good match for you. That is jointheantidote.com. Scroll all the way down and you will see a place to pop your email address in and grab the recording. Hello and welcome to this episode of That's What She Said. We're going to go really deep into uh, sex and sexuality and femininity and so we're going to talk about being a well-fucked woman today with Kim and Nami eventually. So if you're a dude, uh, I love you, uh, but this probably isn't the episode for you. If you identify as male, just hang on, come back next week or move along. And for those who identify as female, Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to tell you my story, and then I'm going to interview the shit out of Kim and Ami. Growing up, all the Catholic, I took sex to be something that I would do often once I was married. I wouldn't necessarily enjoy it, and I certainly wouldn't think about it too often until then. Case closed. Until, of course, I wanted to have sex. Like, the decrees that you decree when you're 8 or 10 or 12 are no match for the feelings in your body once you hit puberty. You know this. But I stuffed all those desires down like the good girl I was. I got through high school without so much as a single kiss because obviously I was far above the needs of mere mortals and horny teenagers. Also, I was kind of a dick about it. (laughs) And I was completely disconnected from my body. I was years into a relationship before I finally rounded all the sexual bases. When I got married... At the ripe old age of 20 fucking four, it was to the safest guy I'd ever met and also to a guy I had very little sexual chemistry with. It wasn't long before monthly sex became quarterly sex became, okay, our goal is to have quarterly sex. I blamed myself for this turn of events and I sunk deeper into an unbroken sort of despair. I even thought I was asexual for a while. And then I found Kimonami. Her well-fucked woman salon shifted me into a world where I was capable of taking delight in myself and in pleasure with or without a partner. I did the crazy-ass jade egg practice. I massaged the shit out of my body for funsies. I got down with my bad self, and I took up every challenge in the course with great enthusiasm. It was awesome. I still didn't want to do my husband, but the class was awesome. So today, I'm interviewing the brilliant and rebellious Kim and Nami, and together we are diving deeply into feminine sexuality in the present day. I hope you will listen whether you're having no sex, all the sex, or just a little sex, whether you're partnered or single, whether you're 18, 80, or any age in between, because the world needs more well-fucked women. It just does. Well-fucked women are a gift to everyone around them, and they're wonderful and lovely, and may we all be them. 
So if you at any point are like, oh my God, this Kiminami person, I must know more, you're going to head to kristenkalp.com slash sex, S-E-X, and that's where all the links are to everything that we talk about today. Enjoy. I hope you enjoy the shit out of this. And if you have questions or comments, you know where I am, k at kristenkalp.com, or just fill out the contact form at kristenkalp.com. Let's do this thing. We've got Kim Anami with us, who is basically my own personal sex maven, if we're being completely honest. So um, I can't wait to dive into talking with her about all things sex and being well-fucked and all the ways that that can liberate you in your life and your, in your relationships. So hi, Kim. Hi, Kristen. Thanks for having me and for the beautifully kind words. Oh, no problem. So will you tell me in your own words about your work as it currently stands and what you do for people? Well, I bill myself as a holistic sex and relationship coach, which means that I work with women, men, couples, couples, individuals, singles to tap into the true power of their sexual energy. And so what I realized over my last, well, like the 25 years I've really spent studying sexual energy and intimacy is that sexual energy is life force energy, this orgasmic creative power that we have at our fingertips, at our genitals. We can learn not only to have incredible pleasure from it, but use it as a power and energy source. And so, so much of my work is really showing people what's possible in their relationships. So for example, I might be out at a party and somebody's like, oh, what do you do? And I tell them what I do, <laughs> whip out my Instagram, show them what my vagina can do. And, <laughs> and they're like, oh, you're like, so you help people who have trouble. And I'm like, well, I guess that's part of what I do, but I'm also really optimizing for people. So I show them, for example, with women that, you know, women can have G-spot orgasms cervical orgasms. They can ejaculate across the room. They can shoot ping pong balls with their vagina. Men can learn how to have sex all night. They can learn how to separate orgasm from ejaculation. And they look at me usually dumbfounded because these were things that maybe they never thought about before. They didn't think were possible. And so that's really my passion is to show people what's truly possible in their intimate relationships and how to get there. And will you tell me a little bit about the evolution of your work? Because you, I'm guessing that you didn't start out by lifting things with your vagina on Instagram. <laughs> well, so like, what is that? <laughs> well, you give me like just remember that you're in the real world an example of like the worst or funniest job you've ever had. Like, well. <sighs> Let's see. I mean, look, from a young age, even in my teens, I was interested, like beginning to study meditation and interested in the idea of how people change and how people grow. I'm, I was, I've always been really passionate about this concept of transformation, that we can change into or self-actualize into better, more real versions of ourselves, that we shed the conditioning that's been superimposed upon us and become more of our true self. So that's always been a driving passion for me. So I've studied, you know, I stepped out of the mainstream quite early, like in my teens and was exploring alternative healing and wellness, everything from herbs and homeopathy and meditation, transpersonal psychology, different spiritual paths, health, nutrition, exercise, you know, vegetarian, organic eating and lifestyle, beauty, health products. All of these things were just part of my own journey. And part of that was sex where even in my early sexual experiences, I had 
um, you know, realized that these were, these were like spiritual openings. Like I would have this cataclysmic sexual experience and feel self-realized. I would feel like I became more of my true self. And then in my early twenties, when I discovered Tantra and Taoist sexual philosophy, so these ancient millennia old cultures, several millennia old cultures who looked at sex as a means for not just pleasure, that was sort of a small part of it, but a means for spiritual enlightenment, for health and rejuvenation, for achieving higher states of consciousness. And that really reflected the experiences that I was having. So that gave me kind of a further step to go in my sexual explorations. And then over the years, it all just kind of came together. All these explorations that I was doing naturally led to me then becoming a teacher. And then I, when I say holistic, you know, that's a huge part of my philosophy is really getting to the root cause. And so as a teacher, I don't use band-aids. I really have people do the deeper internal, emotional, psychological, spiritual work that creates lasting change. And then, you know, something that I like to say and a uh, you know, real kind of cornerstone of my work is that when people really get in touch with their sexual creative energy, that starts to channel out into all of their lives. And so they become more original, they become more creative, they become more brave in speaking their true voice. And so things like my Instagram campaign of hashtag things I lift with my vagina, which features me traveling all around the world, lifting objects that are in indigenous to various regions where I happen to be with my vagina, this was a creative inspiration. You know, this is a very original, people say, oh, there's nothing original out there. I disagree. There are definitely <laughs> original ideas out there. That's like a catchphrase for people who just aren't very creative. Um, if you're truly tapped into your sexual creative energy, that's what I found is that that's your unique blueprint. That's your genetic code that you're now infusing out into the world. And you do. So those things are evolutions that have happened in my life and my world and my work, because not only do I really enjoy my work as a healer, but also as a creative person. You know, so these campaigns that I do, I'm always looking and interested in new creative ways to express my message. And that's part of the fun for me, you know, is having those outlets and being unique and unusual in how I express myself and my work. Yeah. So um, if we go way back to the people who have not been doing this since their teens and the physical world and enjoying a physical existence, let alone sexuality, or like seem to be not possible. People are cut off from their bodies. They live exclusively in their heads. So how do you recommend, particularly my women are most, or my listeners are mostly women. How do you recommend that they step into their physical existence outside of sex, like pre-sex to get into your body? Well, I think you can't exclude sex. Like there has to be, that has to be part of the picture. I mean, anything that, I mean, I suppose there's a lot of things that I do peripherally that I think help me to tune into my body. So even like from that young age, I began this path of clean eating and clean living. So eating organic food, I became a veggie and I mean it like fully organic. I'm committed to eating organic food and, you know, I don't eat any genetically modified food ever. Um, I'm very, very particular about what goes into my body. That also means the beauty products that I use or the body products that I use 
even the house cleaners, everything is chemical free. It's completely natural because all of these things interfere with our hormonal balance or neurotransmitter balance that creates a toxic load. And it makes it more difficult to tune into our bodies when we don't even want to be in them because they're having, they have all this interference inside of them. So that's one element to it. I think physically being active, like doing something every day that gets you in your body. So whether it's yoga or Pilates or weight training or HIIT training or swimming, jogging, whatever it is that you're doing. And I don't just mean walking, like walking to me isn't really exercise unless you're walking like (laughs) for four hours, then we can call it exercise. But you're like, oh, I walk up and down the stairs or I walk down the street. That's not, that's not exercise. If you don't sweat, it doesn't count. So when you're really getting in to your body, to me, that also helps you to connect and to not be dissociated because you're really owning your physique. You're, you're seeping into your muscles. You've got that conscious awareness in your whole body. And then sex, you know, the idea of whether you're in a partnership or not, that you self-pleasure, you get to know your body, you explore your body. So part of, you know, say self-pleasuring or masturbation is sure you can bring yourself a lot of pleasure, but it's also getting to know yourself. I've had women, you know, many women over the years who've never even put their fingers in their own vagina. They think it's gross or they're just, they can't do it. They don't want to do it. And so you can't ever really have sexual self-knowledge or self possession if you can't even touch yourself. And so it's not natural that we don't want to touch ourselves. That's been superimposed upon us. So getting to know oneself, exploring your body, exploring your sexuality, exploring your vagina, getting your fingers into your vagina, playing, like seeing what's there, you know, all of those things are very, very important for women. And when I talk, I have this meme that when I talk about the well-fucked woman and a woman can be extremely well-fucked even if she's single, meaning that you can be in touch with your sexual energy, you're tapped into it, you're using it as a source of pleasure and power, even if you don't have a sexual partner. Yes. And one of the things about the well-fucked woman that I love so much is that people are like, well, I don't have a partner is the first thing. And you're like, well, that doesn't actually matter. But you do focus quite a bit on um, peeling back the layers of sexual and societal conditioning. So what do you if you had to pick like a top three worst things that women believe about themselves or their orgasms or their sexual lives, what would you give me? Um, I would say that overall it's like the Madonna whore uh, archetype where women are either like virginal or they're whores. There doesn't seem to be this happy medium place for women to exist as sexual beings who have strong sexual appetites, healthy libidos. They love sex. They're sensual. They're, you know, they're into it. They're orgasmic. There isn't really that space for women. It's more permissible for men, but even that tends to be more lust driven. Um, so that's a big one that I help women to claim is that they can be sexually insatiable and not be judged or feel judged for it because it's really their own inner critic. If they don't give a shit what other people think, it doesn't matter, right? We can't change the world per se. We can only change it by becoming more confident beings, but you know, that's sort of by leading by example. 
Another one would be that not all women are orgasmic. And this is really strong rhetoric that's out there where it'll be like, oh, very, and I find it very patronizing, like patting a woman on the head saying, oh, there, there, don't worry about it. If you can't have an orgasm, that's okay. And I, I understand the, the sentiment there, but it's actually not okay because 100%, I guarantee that all women can have all types of orgasms, clitoral, G-spot, cervical, energy orgasms. I guarantee it's possible for every single woman on the planet. And it's a really a matter of removing all of these blocks. And if a woman, you know, strictly physical technique isn't going to get a woman there. And that's why science, you know, is confused because if you put people in a lab, if you put me in a lab with a bunch of people in white lab coats sitting around with like clipboards, I'm not even sure I could have an <laughs> orgasm, you know, and I can, I can have an orgasm anytime, anywhere, but I don't know that I could do that. So, you know, I can see where the confusion could, it's just ignorance. And so that's one of my big messages. And like I said, a guarantee for women that this is possible. And another one is, is truly realizing divorcing sex from this moral, you know, kind of conundrum that we've, we've put it into. Sexual energy is life force energy. This is the energy that we create, that we use to create new life. And what I say is if you're not creating babies with it, then you can be using that energy to shape your life with, to energize, rejuvenate your life with. And so, you know, what I teach are all these different techniques for women to tap into to that power. Like I said, independent of whether they have a sexual partner in their lives or not, you know, it's great if you do, and it's, you can be great if you don't. I've had some of my most well-fucked periods in my life as a single woman. And so having a partner can amplify that power, but you can still have incredible power on your own. So it's realizing that you are operating at a deficiency if you do not have this energy embodied within yourself. And this whole concept of the well-fucked woman came from several experiences that I had where I realized that this is a, a real energy that women embody. So I, years ago, I used to work out in a gym that was in my building and there was this German guy, you know, probably about mid forties who would come in all the time as well. And we'd see each other and he'd say, Oh, Kim, it's been a while. Hey, <laughs> like, and I'd be like, how does he know? that I haven't had sex in a while or I'd come in in the middle of a good relationship and he, I'd be bouncing and he'd be like, Oh, Kim, you're getting some. Hey, <laughs> I'd be like, Oh my gosh. And then I realized, you know, it's this energy that we wear, that we're embodying and, and that people can feel it. It's tangible. You can see it from across the room. So this concept of the well-fucked woman as a meme became part of my work that we can, you know, generate this energy within ourselves and that people notice it. And even, you know, it goes back millennia where even in the medical literature, this whole concept of hysteria or the underfucked woman, you know, hysteria means womb disease. It's a womb, hysteria's womb. And it means like an uneasy womb. So hysteria was the condition, the label given to women who were underfucked, basically, who weren't having sex. And they'd go to their doctor and they'd have all these ailments, you know, depression, irritability, weight gain, anger outbursts, being generally unstable. And they would call it hysteria and suggest that the women needed to have an orgasm. And that's where, you know, there's a movie that came out a few years ago called Hysteria. And it described this phenomenon where in the 1800s, 
periods in England, that's how we came to have a vibrator invented because all these women were going to see their doctors with this terrible malady of being undersexed and out of touch with that energy, and the doctors would actually give them an orgasm as a therapeutic treatment. However, the doctors became so overrun and so exhausted because sometimes <laughs> it might take, like, you know, say up to an hour to bring a woman to this cure that they invented the vibrator. They invented this machine that would get the women to that place, and that's where we get the vibrator from. So, you know, and not that the way that it's maybe been couched or the language in the past is. You know, we might not agree with that language, but the sentiment is there that there is an actual, a disease, like a, a an, an identifiable um, issue or, you know, something that feels off balance with people. And that applies to men as well as women when they aren't in touch with their sexual energy. Sure. And for those who aren't in touch or someone who's shut down or is afraid of what she'll find when she takes a closer look at her sexuality, like she fears that she's broken or inadequate in some way, um, how do you help to sort to unpeel those layers or to unfold those layers? Right. Um, well, that's why like in the work that I do, I've created these online programs, which I call salons and they're eight week courses that run virtually. And I, you know, I go through them with people at the same time. And the idea is that the only way out is through, you know, where you commit to looking at this stuff and, you know, the only, I guess to also say is that nobody is innately broken. Everyone is innately perfect. And any brokenness has only been superimposed upon the person. My view is that all people, not only are all women orgasmic, but all people have high libidos, have high sex drives, are very innately sexual, natural beings. But these things have been conditioned out of us. And so my work is about peeling back those layers of condition. And so it's really just committing to the process, like believing or having that leap of faith that I'm saying you can get there and it's possible for everyone. You need to commit to the process. And often, you know, the more general personal work that people have done, once they start to uncover the sexual piece, they've got probably a bit of momentum because they just understand the nature of personal growth is that you have to commit to it and to looking at these things. But I guess, you know, in my view, after 25 years of really studying this stuff in my work, I put together the most quantum leap growth accelerating shortcut type, shortcut type practices that I've come across, you know, that I've seen work over and over and over again to get people there as fast as possible. There's no easy way out, you know, meaning that there's no band-aid to just cover over things, but I do have techniques that, ha that tend to get people there faster when they're committed to the process. Yeah, that's part of what I love so much about your work is that you aren't looking for the silver bullet that will allow you to bypass all those feelings and just let them live there, <laughs> but you go straight into it. Um, and is the jade egg practice related to going straight into it or is that, how did that get started? And tell me a little bit more about the jade egg in general. Well, I, so I mentioned that part of my study and interest has been in Taoist sexual techniques and philosophy. So back 5,000 years ago, when in the Chinese culture, they were studying and cultivating their theories and ideas, practices around herbal medicine, acupuncture, acupressure, sex was considered medicine. And so they also, the way they mapped out reflexology points in the hands and the feet and the ears, they also 
also mapped them out in the genitals. So the genitals were a very important part of life. And, um, and the same way, and so this idea that sexual energy, they looked at it as a way that we can use this energy to rejuvenate our lives and ourselves. And so there were, they developed techniques around this sort of, sort of Qigong type techniques to really tap into this energy. And even back in the day, they used sexual medicine. So you might go to see your doctor of the day and they would diagnose you as, let's say, having deficient kidneys. And then they would prescribe some herbs that you would take. They would give you some acupuncture. They would then also suggest that you go home and have sex every day in a certain position three times a day for the next 30 days because that would direct healing energy to that organ, say the kidneys in the body. And so part of that whole system also include the use of, the use of a jade egg. So the women of that time would use courtesans in the emperor's court of ancient China. And these were the people who were really looking for an edge. You know, how do we become the most powerful, charismatic, wise leaders? And so they studiously looked at these sexual practices because they could gain more energy through them, become wiser, stronger, more powerful through the use of these techniques. So the women used a jade egg to strengthen and tone the vagina. Jade was thought to be a healing stone for the reproductive organs and even the the or the etymology of nephrite jade nephrite is um there's a Latin, it's Latin for the kidneys. And so the kidneys in Taoist sexual thought are meant to be the waters. They are the generators of sexual energy. So jade was the stone of choice. And then the stone was used because we, in modern day culture, women have been told to do their Kegels, except don't do your Kegels because they don't work. When Dr. Kegel invented this exercise in 1947, he didn't just tell women to flap their vaginas randomly in the wind. He told them to put a device inside the vagina called a Kegel perineometer that would then create resistance and feed back in the vagina in order to properly strengthen the vagina. And he was doing this work because women had so many issues of urinary incontinence. And within the, you know, as he began using that device, 90% of those issues were eradicated, you know, quickly. And so the, the problem is that somehow in modern medicine, They've, they've completely altered this exercise. So what women are told to do these days isn't even a Kegel. Yes, they're squeezing those muscles, but without the device, it doesn't work. So when other doctors began adapting this method, and who knows why they said, oh, just take that thing out of your vagina. My theory is that people are so terrified to tell women to go home and put something in their vaginas that they act, <laughs> I'm serious, that that's why they took that out because they thought, oh, it's a lot safer to just say flap it. But if I tell them to go fuck themselves with an object, I'm going <laughs> to be over. in so, it's so, I'm done. <laughs> I'm going to be busted. So I honest, that's the only thing I can think of that makes any sense. Not that it's right, but that it, that you can even sort of trace some kind of fucked up logic around it. So, so women are doing these exercises and they're not having any results. And I, I realized that, you know, people would come to me and they'd be kind of embarrassed. Like Kim, you know, I do my Kegels, but they just don't seem to work for me. Like they thought they were the only one. And after another and another and another, and 
they never worked for me either. But, you know, I just kind of dismissed it. Like, I don't know, maybe I'm not doing them. I don't know, whatever. And then I realized, no, they're not working for anybody. And then when I researched it and I found out that, okay, well, people aren't even doing a Kegel exercise, um, <laughs> that it's like, no wonder they're useless. Um, and by the way, like when other doctors, you know, started doing this, the success rate immediately dropped 50% without using this device and lower. So then I remembered, you know, I had begun studying the jade egg about 20 or so years ago and I used it. I used these other Taoist practices. I found them extremely effective and powerful. And so that's when I began, when I realized that this was sort of an epidemic for women and even the stats, like, you know, there's a, st a study by Yale University School of Medicine letting us know that up to 60% of women in, in experience urinary incontinence, over 50% of women who've had a child have pelvic organ prolapse issues. So some part of their anatomy has fallen out. Those statistics are insane. That is ridiculous. And so my assertion is that it's more normal for a woman to be able to shoot ping pong balls with her vagina than to pee her pants. Yet it's more accepted in our culture. Oh, it's just so normal that women pee their pants on the trampoline or when they exercise or they sneeze or they cough. But we think it's a freak show that these Thai vaginas can shoot ping pong balls where I say it's the opposite. That's what a normal, healthy, strong and toned vagina ought to be able to do. It's not normal that vaginas should fall out. So that's when, you know, I began teaching the stuff around the jade egg. I would have stories like women say, you know, 45 year old client of mine recently divorced, started using the jade egg, was like really, really passionate about becoming stronger in that area so she could go out and start dating again and feel more confident. And she'd been incontinent for about 20 years since she'd had her son. And like having, especially exercising, she had to wear a maxi pad to go for a run. And within a week of using the egg, she said her urinary incontinence was gone. And I kept hearing stories like that over and over again. Women, like women in their menopausal years, getting their lubrication back. And that's where I became so confident and passionate about letting people know, all right, you need to put something in your vaginas, ladies, to strengthen it properly. And then I came up with this idea of, you know, hashtag things I lift with my vagina that would be me lifting things all over the world with this hashtag and then trying to, you know, make the objects uh, related to the areas where I was. So in Los Angeles, I lifted a surfboard. I lifted an Oscar on Hollywood Boulevard. My, my vagina won an Oscar. I would lift <laughs> coconuts in Bali. I lifted a Murano glass chandelier when I was in Venice in Italy. So I had a lot of fun with it. And this is what I mean about creativity is that for me, sexual energy, sexual excitement is really akin to creative excitement, the kind of excitement that I get when I come up with a new idea. And it's like, like I'm in love with that project. I'm making love to that project. I wake up in the morning and I want to go out. And it's like the first thing on my mind is like, is creating new things related to this project. So this is, you know, what I'm saying that when we get in touch with our sexual energy, it's creative energy. And this whole other avenue of creativity opens up in our lives, whether we channel that into being a good parent or at, at the work that we do into our household decorating, you know, renovation ideas, we start to notice this real lift in our creativity. So now, you know, the, the jade egg has become really popularized. I've had several viral media campaigns over the past three 
three and a half years, and it's become kind of a mainstream thing now, this idea of the jade egg, which is great, you know, but people are also, now that it's become so popular, people are giving lots of misinformation, like, oh, just wear your jade egg all day. It's like, no, that's not how it works. Like, you don't just like, you know, like strap a bicep to your shoulder and and carry it around all day. Like, that's not going to do anything. Like, you have to do specific, deliberate exercises and timing and reps and all of these things are important to effectively work out. So it's great that it's certainly become really popularized, but there's, I've also noticed at the same time, like we get emails every single day saying, oh, you know, I ordered a jade egg online, but can you tell me how, it, I don't know how to use it. I've been trying to use it and blah, you know, it's <laughs> like, yeah. uh-huh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so the jade egg practice, um, just because people might be like, this is really fucking weird. Um, I've done the well-fucked woman. I remember getting my jade, jade egg and being like, all right, Kim, here we go. Like, I trust you. And it's really not that big a deal. Um, it's not something that I would like to have featured on YouTube of me doing it, but it's really not that big a deal. There is a stone egg there. You have some dental floss, you have a little bag to hold coins and have some sort of weight. You increase the weight. Um, your vagina gets stronger at the end. It is so not a big deal. It's not a big time consuming thing. It's not gross. It's not like, it's not any, anything more than you would do for like doing bicep curls with your, like, it's, it's just not a big deal in case you're like, dear God, what are you talking about? Exactly. Exactly. And like, just like any other part of your body that needs exercise. I mean, look, the, the stats are telling us something. If women are having all of these issues with their pelvic floor, something is wrong, right? That's like I said, it's not normal that people ought to be incontinent that way. It's not normal that body parts ought to be falling down. It's because the pelvic floor is weak, which means that people are not strengthening it. They're not working it out. They're not exercising it. And again, I think this is symptomatic of this global suppression, oppression of sexual energy and all things sexual is we're just going to ignore and even dissociate from the genitals. And so that's why people aren't including, you know, if you went to see like maybe there'd be some universe in which you go to see your trainer and they do bicep, leg and vagina day you know, where that would be a normal thing, right? Yeah. Like, okay, we're doing, I'll show you how to do these bicep exercises. I'll show you because, but, and if we lived in a world where we didn't have so much shame and unhealthy energy around sexuality, that probably would be normal, right? It would just be a normal part of your body to exercise, but we're mm-hmm. coming from a place of so much oppression that we have to work through that. And so for me, and, and really in the sense that those viral campaigns of me lifting things all over the world. I, I've even, I was even amazed at how many mainstream publications picked them up. Like it's been featured in everywhere from people to in touch to the Sunday times, you know, all over the place that, that people are hungry for this and it strikes such a deep chord in people. And, um, that they need it, you know, that it's a really needed thing. So there's the whole physical aspect, yes, of strengthening the vagina so that it can function properly. So not only will it eradicate urinary incontinence, it will prevent pelvic organ prolapse. It can even help to reverse mild cases of, you know, and 
to, and then plus cases of, of poor pelvic organ prolapse. But there's the whole emotional, psychological, spirit, spiritual benefit to it as well, where you start to integrate your vagina, your femininity, your sexuality more into your system. Plus, you get more sensitivity, you get more feeling, more pleasure, you'll increase your ability to orgasm, you'll lubricate on demand because you've got circulation, blood flow in the vagina now that you didn't have before. You can ejaculate because now your vagina is strong enough to thrust out ejaculate. There's even been where people report, and I've had it myself, facelifts. Because once you create this lift in the pelvic floor, it comes all the way up your body and into your face. And I had a very scientific, pragmatic, like lab researcher client who was, you know, very, very left-brained and she was a Botox user. And she said to me, Kim, I can't believe it. Like I'm stopping, I'm not using my Botox anymore. Like she's actually been smoothing out her face. And this comes from someone who's not like super spiritual woo-woo. She's like as left-brained, you know, practical (laughs) as they get. And she's even come on board. So the people, um, the people that are already sexual in some way are, are down with this. And the people that are just kind of, cause I used to be one of these women, like the checked out, I don't have time for that. I don't really need that. Um, meaning sex ever because, um, I have no energy and I have no real interest in that mostly because at the time I had no real interest in, um, having sex with my partner, which is where that right. was going to lead very quickly. <laughs> um, how do we yeah. speak to like, just no, just all of this is no. Cause I can't even deal with it. Well, this is where a huge part of my work is trying to educate women about what's possible. So when you're saying that you were, well, first of all, like what you just said is that like, okay, say a woman would come to me and say she has a low libido. So, okay, I have an example. Here's a friend of mine who she's been in a relationship that's been really kind of dead and difficult for the last five or six out of eight years. And yet she's adapted, you know, on paper, this guy looks good. He's a wealthy attorney. He drives a Maserati, like he's really good looking. And yet on so many deeper levels, like he doesn't support her. She's like branching out in her medical practice to become more of a holistic doctor. And he thinks it's all a bunch of, you know, malarkey. He's not like emotionally supportive. He's really possessive. There's all these things where she's just being smothered. And then she's like, yeah, I've got a really low libido. And (laughs) as I, and it's basically what you said, actually, she doesn't want to have sex with him. It's not that her libido is magically like the libido fairy came along and just gave her a low libido, (laughs) you know, and that's what people think though. They're like, oh, I'm just one of those women. I'm not very sexual or, oh, I don't really need it. Or they, they secretly buy into a bit of the, oh, like sex, like this sort of over glamorized or kind of like slutty judgment thing about sex, sexual women. And they justify that as a way of not being sexual or saying, thinking they're not sexual, but really they're not dealing with a whole lot of underlying stuff. So again, that's where my work is to go in there and figure out why do you really not want want to have sex? And there's always a reason. There's always some kind of unresolved issue in the relationship or maybe for, you know, a lot of people in our culture have had history of rape or sexual trauma, sexual abuse. And if that stuff isn't properly cleared, that 
is going to interfere with a person's natural libido and flow of sexual energy. So I am always helping people to uncover the possible places where they have been, you know, putting this down. And then at the same time, trying to show them that this is your power source, you know, this energy, when you get in touch with your sexual energy, because a lot of women might suppress that energy and throw themselves, let's say, into their work. And if they do that, if you get in touch with your sexual energy, you actually make more money. You become more productive at work. The sexual chakra is also the, the chakra of creativity and money. And it's about literally channeling your gifts out into the world. And the more that you become in touch with that energy, the more productive you become, the more pre creative you become. And this is, again, where I count, have countless examples of women and men coming back to me where their business improved, their financial flow improved, money just began like dropping, literally dropping into their laps. Like they open up the mailbox and there's like some check in there that's totally unexpected from whatever that just showed up. And so I see this so much and over and over again that I can speak about it so confidently that it's a direct connection. And so it's not just about having sex and having a relationship and being in the bedroom. It's about your sexual energy and how it impacts your entire life. And what we see now because of people dissociating from their sexual energy, we have all of these issues. Like I believe that we create our own reality, our vision, our energy or philosophy creates our life and it creates what happens in our body. So when women shut off from their sexual energy, what happens? Well, they get lumps and growths in their breasts. They get difficult periods. They get really, they're um, like super awful PMS where they become like debilitated or they get growths in the uterus and the ovaries, all of these sorts of things. So that happens because they're suppressing that energy. And it's just like a volcano. If you do not have a place where it can come out naturally, if you tried to like, you know, whatever, cover a volcano, like is impossible. It sounds impossible. It is impossible. Mm -hmm. So, you, but let's say you were able to cover it. All it's going to do is bubble up someplace else and maybe like, you know, underneath a village and decimate a village. Like it's going to come <laughs> out. And right. that's exactly like our sexual energy. We could even look at, you know, what we've seen in the Catholic like church happen. It's like suppressing all of this energy and it comes out in all of these untoward ways. It cannot be done. You know, there are cultures throughout the years who have looked at ways to be celibate and re-channel that energy. And you can do that, but it has to be done consciously. You can't just shut it off and and not use it. And then that's, the, that's what happens. It comes out in these other ways. So whether it's health problems, it mutates into something that isn't positive. And on the other hand, we can be harnessing and tapping into that energy to be using it in very positive ways. And those are the kinds of things that I teach. Sure. I also love that you teach about, um, what the, the Fukumi disease. Will you yeah. give a brief outline of the symptoms of Fukumi and, uh, what, how you might know that you have it? Right. So FUKME is an acronym. Females utterly freaking out about absolutely nothing due to lack of phallic shapes near, in, or around their vaginas leading to cataclysmic psychopathic moments of intense and troubling repressed sexual tension, <laughs> otherwise known as FUKME. 
So Kristen, if you would, you can put a link to that video. I have this I YouTube video that I created a few years ago called Fukme, the epidemic of sexually unfulfilled females. And in the video, we see like a woman with road rage. We see a woman who's like binging on ice cream. We see other women who've like joined 50 shades of gray book clubs, like where they're suffering or the, the sort of ubiquitous when like a man and woman are fighting and the, the, the woman is, you know, like the man's like, what's wrong, honey? What's wrong? Nothing. Nothing's wrong. Nothing's wrong at all. You know? <laughs> okay. I totally believe you. So it's like all these ways that this unchanneled sexual energy comes out in a mutated form. So it's basically like my modern take on this idea of hysteria or in the FSM, like this, the, 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 sort of guide for medical ailments, you know, they, I think now they call it, I don't know, female sexual dysfunction or it's in the DSM, but it's called FS. Yeah. Female sexual. It's like all these other ridiculous names, but it's basically fuck me, which means somebody's under fucked, you know, and, and <laughs> that's the problem. And the remedy is, as I've said, isn't, isn't just going and getting random cock. It's, you know, I talk a lot about the difference between junk food sex and gourmet sex and just having, you know, kind of unconscious porn masturbation or going and getting a one night stand that isn't going to remedy the fukme. The fukme is a multidimensional illness. The cure is a multidimensional thing. So I talk about gourmet sex as being an emotional, mental, spiritual, and physical connection with somebody. That is the most powerful use of sexual energy. And that's where we really tap into what it can do for our lives. Like having a bunch of casual sex tends to create more, it's not a, and this is, look, this is not a judgment when I say these things or porn use, there's no judgment there at all. It's more like when I do this thing, does it give me a lift? Do I feel better? Do I feel rejuvenated or do I feel depleted? That's the barometric question. Um, and so, you know, the remedy then is to, tune in and clear the blockages in ourselves so that we can better feel, experience this natural birthright of our sensual energy. And then, as I said, then the next step is channeling that out into the world. Yes. And I have a question almost that might seem unrelated, but isn't um, that when you get all well fucked and you are like, you're in it and you look fantastic and men are attracted to you. Um, there's also this part that is like the weird, creepy old dudes that are really into you too. Um, That's a really... How do you deal with that? It's a really good question. And so, you know what? I'm actually writing a blog post that's right now that I'm going to put out today that's similar to this because this happens to women. I'll be in the middle of the salons that I do in these programs and we're into like week two and three and women are starting to notice that they're getting attention because now they're starting to embody their sexual energy and people are noticing. This is what I said. It becomes something that you wear. You have, it's like you keep going. So the beautiful thing that happens is that when you do start to really inhabit this energy, you, what the reason, the place where I know that a woman has crossed over the line into really, really owning it is that she doesn't give a shit anymore about what people think about her. So there's this delicate kind of emerging stage where the woman starts to feel more of this attention. And yeah, it's like guys, because they don't get it because we don't have it in our culture. So it's almost like you walking naked down the street and they're like, Oh my God, you know, like, what is that? Oh my God. It's a woman who's got sexual energy. Oh my God. And, and this, let me also 
bring me back if I get too far off. But I just had this thought, you know, in, in our, you know, we see now, like, let's say on Instagram, there's like all these women of like in their bikinis and like, they're realizing they can like, just, just get self-discovered and they're like half naked. And they're really like, Oh my God, did you see my titties? Did you look at my titties? Look at my titties. Look at my ass. Did you see my ass? Look at my ass. I don't mean like that. I don't mean that people are like, you're out there flinging stuff in people's faces because that to me is almost not even sexual. It's sort of like dissociated. Um, but it's more like you just own who you are and what you are. You wear what you want. You don't think about what other people are going to think. You just put on the dress that feels good and you walk out the door. Mm -hmm. And once you hit a certain level of having done this internal work, this internal block clearing, you don't care. You become impervious to those looks or those people you don't even notice. They just kind of slide right off of you or they go over your head. It's only in that kind of emergent stage where you feel more vulnerable to it because you're more aware of it and you're coming you know, you're coming into this new element expression of yourself. But once you, if you keep going, then you get past that place. You know, I was working with a, like a 48 year old woman and she had a teenage, like a 19 year old daughter and she was doing this work and, you know, becoming more and more confident. And like, she called me up one day and she's like, you know, I just took my daughter to the nude beach and we were like totally just enjoying her, you know, like she'd mm -hmm. have this new level of ownership in herself that she just didn't care. You know what I mean? And so I think it's just a process. It's natural to feel that initially, but as you go deeper into the work, you reach this plane where it doesn't, it doesn't touch you anymore. You actually become, um, untouchable in that way where, you know, those, those people's opinions just, they just slide off you. That energy of creepy guys perving on you, it just slides off you. You don't feel it. It doesn't affect you. Awesome. So, couple of other things related, but not again, um, you seem to have these really strong boundaries around, um, being unplugged for long periods of time. And how does that feed back into, um, your business, your creative energy, your sexual energy, the whole, the whole thing, what does the being unplugged do? And can you give some more specifics of how you unplug? And for right. how long? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I kind of what we were saying earlier, like in my journey of cleaning up my energy field where I eat clean food and have clean products that go into my body or around me in my environment. I also am really into the idea of totally getting off the grid. So going somewhere out in nature, away from it's pretty difficult to get away from electricity entirely, but it is possible. Um, but as much as you can, like even if you are out in the country, but you turn your phone off, like your phone is on airplane mode all weekend. So you don't check your email. You're not available for calls or texts, like period. You don't go onto the internet. Maybe you watch a movie, but you wouldn't turn on the news. You wouldn't like be part of the constant flow of information that you're being bombarded with. You wouldn't go onto Facebook, like nothing. And so that I find is so important as a recalibration device, like to bring me back into myself and my energy because my, I run an online business. And so when I'm online, I am really online. And as much as I have other people who do things for me and I delegate things to, I still have to be connected to it to some degree. And so I take time deliberately out. I even go out on boats where I'm off, like literally then like there's no cell 
cell phone. There's no internet reception, period. There is no option for that. There's a generator that's generating electricity on the boat (laughs) and be away for days, you know, a week even at a time or two weeks at a time, or I'm completely out of that. And what happens when I come back is I feel so rejuvenated. Like, look, we are these, all these movements these days towards like things like earthing. It's this idea that we go and we put our bare feet onto the ground to get the energy. I can't believe that's a, that's a phenomenon. Like I'm going to go walk barefoot on the ground because that's going to energize me. It's great. I think everyone ought to do that, but it's almost bizarre or surreal that we're so far away from that as a way of life that we have to like, it's actually a therapy now, like to go yeah. and earth yourself, right? Yeah, or Ariana Huffington writing books about the power of sleep. And like, are you fucking kidding me? Everybody right. just sleep. <laughs> right, right. Where these things that are totally, we need them as nourishment. Like, okay, here's a, you know, I just came, I've been in LA for about a week and a half now. And you know, I'm, I live mostly in Indonesia, in Bali. And um, I notice that when I go, because when I'm in Bali, I surf every single day. I'm in the ocean every single day. I'm getting plenty of vitamin D and powerful sunlight every single day. I'm eating fresh, locally grown food every single day. And I got here and I noticed my energy kind of drop a bit. Like I still, when I'm in LA, I eat at great organic restaurants. So, you know, I still exercise. I've even been going surfing here, but not every day but it wasn't the same. I realized like the things that nourish me, like clean air, clean water, being in the ocean, eating low, you know, I wasn't getting the same energy that I normally would have living in my, uh, my ideal environment. And so, um, you know, the unplugging, I honestly, it's one of the fastest ways that you can recharge. If you can't go on a glamorous holiday or even get out of town for the weekend, just take a day and stay inside your house, watch, you know, maybe watch some, you know, lighthearted movies because even violent movies can be an imposition on your system. You know, violent action movies. I can't even watch those because it just stirs up my system too much. And so I generally watch like really lighthearted, positive shows, comedy shows like Veep is one of my favorite shows on the planet. I think Veep is the, I I watch those things like five times, like episodes like over and over (laughs) and over again, because it's just so so hilarious and it's all like it's all you know to me good hearted fun um turn the phone off you know like I said put it on airplane mode I'm very selective I don't even let my phone ring my phone is always on vibrate unless I've got somebody who's going to be like coming to my house and I need a delivery I don't know you know a very very special reason I don't, I don't just, I'm not at the command of my phone. I command my phone. So I pick up my phone. I look at it. I use it when I want to. Mm -hmm. And it's often on airplane mode. You know, I certainly sleep with it on airplane mode because I was shocked to hear that people will sleep with their phones next to them. And if they get a text in the night, like they'll get up and they'll answer it. Oh my God. Why? I, I don't know, but they, that's, but that's kind of what the world has come to. Like if you get a business email on the weekend and you don't answer it, people would be like, well, they'd be a bit offended, you know? And so it's, it's gotten, it's, so yes, I am very boundaried around that because who else is going to be the, the, it's becoming less and less boundaried out in the world or the expectations is that, yeah, on a Sunday you should, you should respond to that email or you might lose that client, that possibility or whatever. And I totally rebel against that. And, um, 
So yeah, I'm very deliberate about taking time out. And I believe also in the healing and detoxifying and recalibrating power of nature. So that just being out in nature, being out in the forest, in the jungle, on the water, in the ocean, all of these things very, very quickly rebalance your system and bring you to a state of equilibrium and health. And the more time that you can spend in these environments, and that is a really big priority to me, like that's why on the retreats that I do, um, and do week-long residential retreats, one in Bali and one in Mexico, they both have this sort of barefoot luxury aspect. They're, you know, very like eco-gorgeous sort of eco-luxe building, but it's got this very barefoot kind of off-the-grid aesthetic going on because I want people to learn and experience that and see how it, it changes them. Yeah, and when they do plug back in, we want them to be well-fucked. So will you give me a run-through of... What to do, um, uh, or not what to do, but the curriculum of the well fucked woman. Walk me through, and also I feel like um, when people, when you're like the three kinds of orgasms, you know, um, a clitoral, G spot, and cervical. People are like, what the what the fuck you talking about? Three <laughs> kinds of orgasms. So if you could give like just the briefest, because I know, because I was like, oh, those don't. That was. I mean, I know Kim says that's possible, but that's that's not. And then right. you're like, oh, but it is. Of course, that's a thing. <laughs> so just yeah. the briefest through yeah. That. Yeah. So I just wanted to say too, like what you said, when you come back after the unplugging, you're well fucked and you're rejuvenated. Like you come back and you've got all this other energy to give to your world, to your work, to your family, to yourself, because you've, you've looked after yourself, you've boosted yourself up. So, um, yeah, so the well fucked woman is an eight week online salon and it's all about really how to clear these blockages that we've been, that we've had superimposed on top of us and then learn how to tune into our true nature. So part of that for women is learning how to really own and operate from their feminine. You know, we talk about masculine, feminine, and many women who are out in the world and myself in the past included feel like we have to become more masculine to achieve, to get things done. And it's not necessarily true. That can be very exhausting and lead to burnout. And there's other ways to do things. We can learn how to create things still staying in our feminine energy and create create them more effectively. Like for example, part of my work is to make sure that I do go surfing and I do unplug and I do do things that nourish me and that makes me more effective. I'm able to magnetize more opportunities to me. So it's learning how to operate from that place. And so what you were, yes, I teach about all these different orgasms. So what I always say is all the good stuff is in the vagina. If an orgasm doesn't change your life, you're not doing it right. And that's to say that these deeper orgasms that we find, the G-spot, there's orgasms you can have from your cervix and even in other parts inside the vagina, they are much deeper. They're more profound. They're transcendent. They really open you up to this whole other energy in yourself. It's like a spiritually enlightening experience. And so again, yes, I have that guarantee that all women can get there, but the work to get there is really the deepest work is about learning how to surrender and learning how to let go. And most people who have trouble 
getting to those deeper orgasms, they have issues with control. They don't want to let go of control. So a huge part of that course is showing women how to open up, how to surrender, and how that really benefits and energizes, recharges, and makes even more powerful everything that they do in their lives. And the bonus is they then get to have these orgasms, which I consider to be essential medicine for women. We also go into all kinds of different enlightened sex acts, like I talk about the magical power of deep throating or anal sex, like all these, I I believe that sex acts ought to be done in a profound and conscious way. And so I teach people about how they can do these things in ways, not just, you know, yes, technique, but also those kind of metaphysical benefits. Like for example, when you deep throat somebody, you stimulate your throat chakra and you're able to better express yourself in your world. You become a better speaker, a better writer, you express your truth more. So I dive into those kinds of ideas. We use some tantric and Taoist breathing techniques so that you can learn how to literally take that energy that's at your genitals and then channel it out into your life. So you also have more full body orgasms and more like sort of multiple orgasms that become more energizing for you. Your orgasm becomes something that gives you energy and revitalization rather than something that you use as a go-to-sleep tool. So we cover everything from body image, how to, you know, better you know, own and love your body, self-pleasuring 101. I guide you through how to go in and explore and pleasure yourself. And sex and money, like how to use your Um, sexual creative energy to find your true calling, your vocation in life, your path in life. So you can see that, yes, there's all this, there's this, you know, whole component of um, sexual technique, but it's also the usage of sexual energy to create your ideal life. Yeah, it's really beautiful and it's really effective. Um, The other thing, totally, again, I I will have all the links available. That's not a problem, but um, I just wanted to ask a couple of like, what books are you reading and which ones have had the most influence on you in let's say the last decade? Oh gosh. You know, to be honest, like over the last probably decade or more, I've been more interested in finding my own answers rather than finding somebody else's answers. And so the books, like, I mean, there's a book sitting on my, on my footstool right now, which is Cure Tooth Decay, Cure Tooth Decay, Heal and Prevent Cavities with Nutrition. So if I read anything, it tends to be like maybe looking at innovative ways to do things that we've been told we can't. So dentistry, for example, is one area where we're told that you, if you get a cavity, you have to fill it. Um, sugar causes cavities and then you can, and then you get root canals and they found that root canals are probably a really clear source of autoimmune disease in people. Um, so I look at like how, like that's something I want to learn about. So, but in terms of like spiritual or self-help books, I really don't read them anymore because I find that I'm really just wanting to, find my own answers, you know, and, on, and books are often like a, a way of other people's path. And I feel like I'm strong enough on my own path these days that that's where I'm heading to. So like I said, if I do read something, it might be with a deliberate purpose, like, like that, which might not seem like a really juicy thing, but it's a very self-empowering thing because there's all kinds of information about diet and fat intake that helps to build and it has even rebuilt tooth enamel. So we think that that is not possible. That's what we've been told. 
And yet there are people who've actually cured their own cavities before. So that's something that I would be fascinated to learn about. Awesome. Anything, if you wish, um, you could have a billboard that every single human on earth could see. What would it say? (laughs) What would it say? Um, Something to the effect of like, go big or go home. (laughs) I like it. I like it a lot. And the picture of me holding something with my vagina in some exotic place. Well, obviously. I mean, that yeah. was that was a given for me. Yeah. <laughs> it's fantastic. Thank you so much uh, for being here and for playing with me today. My pleasure, Kristen. Lovely to chat with you. Thanks. Isn't she fantastic? Right? She goes to all the places and says all the things, and I feel so not brave when I think about all the things that she does and the things she lives with her vagina. Uh, so for the link to hashtag things I live with my vagina, her Instagram, the well-fucked woman salon, her newsletter, the video series, the fuck me epidemic video, all that stuff. Just head to kristenkelpcom slash sex and uh, make it happen. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, want to talk about this stuff, you know what to do. K at kristenkelp.com on there. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you next week. Thank you for listening. One more time, The Antidote is a series of monthly gatherings to help you come back to your body, your being, and your breath when it's most likely that you'll self-abandon. The Antidote is the antidote to trying to do everything all alone, all by yourself, while you grow more stressed and you're generally freaking out and telling everyone you're fine while quietly or not so quietly, scream-sobbing in a private place between tasks. Let's not do that. Let's try something different. This is a really simple format, one gathering a month on the first Tuesday of the month until the 2024 election. So we're practicing the skills that we will need in November now And we're getting really comfortable with body, breath, and being now. And that's available to you at jointheantidote.com. There's a free recording. You can sign up. You can get more details. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy.